0: That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time ever every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Guten
0: Tag, mein Freunden. Hi there, guys. It's Jonathan Strickland from Tech Stuff, and I am joined with my wonderful co-host in this great endeavor we call a podcast. That co-host is... (laughs)
2: Lauren Vogelbaum. Hey, how you doing?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just fine.
2: I have zero zero German for you aside from Vogelbaum, which means bird tree, by the way.
0: Okay, so uh, we've already learned something, and we haven't even gotten onto our topic yet. Today we wanted to talk about digital pets. This actually comes to us courtesy of a listener suggestion. Uh, and digital pets, virtual pets, this is an idea that, that really kind of got its, its heyday in the 90s, especially in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- we want to talk a little bit about the rise of digital pets and then the fall of digital pets and, and sort of some other surrounding uh, topics that, that tie into this. what all
2: of this digital pet malarkey means.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, to, to, before we get into specifics, we want to talk a little bit about some general features that you would expect in a virtual pet. Now, first of all, it's it's virtual; it's not an actual living thing. Oh, right,
2: right. It's sometimes called digital pets rather than virtual pets because you know they they don't necessarily have to be. I mean, there are web applications that where digital pets live, but some of them are physical, three dimensional objects.
0: Yep, yep. And so we kind of. We've been very loose with our definition in the sense that we we feel there are some toys and uh, uh, products out there that have influenced the process of virtual pets uh, and the evolution of virtual pets. So some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, they aren't really a virtual pet in the strictest definition, but it's important as far as the development goes. In general, a virtual pet tends to have certain features that, uh, that let it... Seem kind of similar to an actual real life pet. For instance, it usually will respond to you calling for it. Uh, there's some sort of command that you use to call it, whether it's vocal or it's a, a button you press on a, on a game controller Mm -hmm. or on a, on a little physical device that brings it to you.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to care for it. You have to, uh, feed it and clean up after it. If it falls sick, you have to, you have to take care of it.
0: Right. Uh, usually you can train it to Mm -hmm. do various things. It may be, to perform a trick, or it might be to eviscerate someone else's virtual pet in the case of certain games that we'll cover. Uh, Also, there's usually some form of way to reward the pet, either with treats or toys. Sometimes uh, the element that allows you to give treats or toys is an extra element within the whole virtual pet, that you pay real money to get access to virtual treats.
2: Right, right. Yeah. Uh, You know, lots of these virtual pets are a one-time purchase kind of thing. You either buy the hardware or you pay for a um, subscription, for a life subscription, and and you get that thing for, you know, as long as you care to play with it. And others are, yeah, a monthly subscription, or you have to continue buying into various little accessories and other products in order to continue.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're you're really building out the... the the pet's life—it's uh, very similar to the way a lot of games are are running now, where you have an in-game purchase to mm-hmm. to give your character either a different look or sometimes an actual advantage in gameplay. Uh, many of those ideas really got their start in the virtual pet world. Um, also, they usually have uh, some sort of uh, a feature there that allows you to have your pet. Meet other pets.
2: Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that's a relatively, I, I guess, relatively recent, as of you know, say two thousand five. But
0: yeah, but right. The the earliest was a ones, development. Exactly. Yeah. The earliest ones didn't necessarily have that that feature in them. You couldn't. Uh, get a, a, uh, some pets to meet other pets until we started to build in that, that capability either in the hardware or in the software. But it usually meant that you could have your pet make friends with another person's vi- virtual pet. Sometimes you could have your virtual pets breed and then you would get little tiny versions of your virtual pet that would have features of both the mommy and the daddy virtual pet <laughs> John strickland
2: explaining how the birds and the bees the virtual so.
0: birds and the <laughs> virtual bees, bees work look when a a virtual dog and another virtual dog virtually love one another <laughs> it's very special but- they trade some code and then you get a virtual puppy Yeah, anyway, these are all basic features that you would find in virtual pets. So, so that, that's sort of the, the overall kind of definition. But to really understand the development, we have to go back a ways. And, and Lauren, you, you had an interesting, place you wanted to start.
2: Yeah, I want to talk about uh, pet rocks. I think that that would be a very early, I mean, clearly analog, not digital um, yeah, version. Yeah, that's about of as analog
0: a, as you a Of a, a rock. virtual
2: pet. Uh, th- those debuted in 1975 at uh, 3 dollars a pop, which is approximately $16 in the current economy, which is actually what, say, for example, Tamagotchi cost. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So
0: so essentially $16 in, in uh, our current currency to mm-hmm. buy a rock. To buy a rock, yeah. Right. And
2: this this was created by Gary Dahl, who was a California ad executive. Um, and, and a uh, brilliant
0: one at that, apparently. He sold
2: more than five million of these critters in less than six months. It's
0: like a rock with googly eyes. <laughs> so, uh, So, Lauren, 1975, you remember those days, right?
2: Oh, yeah. That was seven years before I was born.
0: Okay, so I was around. 1975 was also the year a little movie called Jaws came out, uh, a fantastic documentary. Uh, it's also when a certain tech stuff podcaster arrived on the scene. That would be me. Yeah, so, not 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 me. So I don't really remember 1975. I just know I was there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, pet rocks. So so there we go. There's there's a a non living. Pet. And it was mostly a gag gift kind of thing. Sure, sure. But it, it, it lays the groundwork for this idea of a pet that's not really alive.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also wanted to point out, actually, that in uh, 1977, that was when uh, K9 debuted on Doctor Who, which <sighs> I think nice. is also probably an important reference in the entire. I mean, especially if you've seen an Ibo, I think that they're pretty.
0: They're obviously pretty inspired by yeah. the K9. Bucket of bolts. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So, so,
2: the idea about this kind. Of, and I mean, of, of course, in science fiction, stuff like this has been talked about for you know since the days of Asimov's robot stuff series and icing the body electric stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah,
0: and you know, do androids dream of electric sheep? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the, the, these are again the building blocks that will lead to virtual pets. In 1985, a company called Worlds of Wonder. Introduced a toy that was, uh, depending upon how you played with it, uh, very entertaining or terrifying. Uh, that would be Teddy Ruxman.
2: <laughs> I, I firmly found them terrifying as a child, so actually.
0: Teddy, Teddy Ruxman, it was an interesting idea. It was, uh, a, a toy that would read, quote unquote, read stories to children. Uh, the stories would be on a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of you may not know what a cassette tape is. I remember them. But a cassette tape, alright, so it's, it's magnetic tape. And usually, like uh, on a regular audio cassette tape, you have two tracks on either side of this, this tape. And it's usually used for stereo. Mm-hmm. One track's for the left speaker and one's for the right. Now with, uh, Teddy Ruxpin, instead, one track was audio. And the other track was a series of directions for the, uh, this, this the
2: animatronic, animatronic teddy
0: bear. Well, it's really just the mouth. Oh, okay. The limbs didn't really move. okay, Uh, But the mouth would move in time with whatever was playing. So that way uh, it would follow the directions and seemingly talk to you and read out the story. Uh, This meant that if you wanted to do something a little wacky, like, I don't know, put your Black Sabbath cassette tape in Teddy Ruxpin, he would not suddenly start rocking out. Because the mouth, there were no directions for the mouth to follow.
2: Okay, so, so the mouth wouldn't move. He would still play. Oh, no, you could the Black play, Sabbath you tape.
0: play Black Sabbath through a Teddy Ruxpin. There's nothing stopping you. You I'm essentially not... have a Teddy Ruxpin-shaped boombox, but uh, but it wouldn't, like, start screaming out.
2: Okay, well, that's, you know. I guess that's, I mean, I'm, you know. Lord
0: knows I tried. Um but yeah, yeah, that was, again, Teddy Ruxpin, not a virtual pet necessarily, not in the same sense that we're talking about, but again, lays the groundwork. This idea of a a, a a synthetic creature providing some form of companionship.
2: And that appears to be autonomous.
0: Right, right. And again, very loose illusion in this case. You, you pick up pretty quickly that it's following a very specific uh, uh, script, which was based upon whatever was on that cassette. Um, worlds of wonder, by the way, ended up going bankrupt. I think in 1990, the, uh, the ownership of Teddy Ruxpin has passed through several hands, including Hasbro. So it was one of those toys that kept on going even after the company that launched it went away. Now the next year in 1986, we get our first actual virtual pet. And this was for a computer platform, called the Macintosh. So uh yeah, 2 years after the Macintosh launches, remember they had that amazing 1984 commercial that was oh, in yeah. the Super Bowl that really amazing. One of the best commercials ever made in my opinion. Uh I never owned a Macintosh, but I loved the commercial. Uh anyway, the the Macintosh uh, program Puppy Love debuts in 1986 It's a Tom Snyder Productions release. And Puppy Love was essentially a little a little uh animated puppy dog that you could play with on your Macintosh. Very limited uh, features on mm-hmm. that. But it, again, was one of the first examples of a virtual pet. Now, we go ahead a year to 1987, and the Nintendo Entertainment System gets a release of a Japanese role-playing game, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. I apologize to Lauren, who actually knows how to pronounce Japanese words, but Megami Tensei. Uh, was the RPG, and it, uh, it included a a gameplay element where you could capture demons, and then you could train those demons to fight for you, uh, so that you could use the ones that you've captured to help protect you in other battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a gameplay element that we would end up seeing used in other types of Virtual Pets in the future,
2: and in lots of other games as well. I wouldn't necessarily count something like Pokemon as a virtual pet application, but um, but
0: it definitely has that game definitely play element. has that element. Yeah, sure. I, I include Pokemon mostly because again it, it has some elements of a virtual pet. Uh, although if you're mostly looking to try and maximize your uh, your your group of, of Pokemon so that you can have the the best chance of winning any particular mm-hmm. battle, that's not. A great message for a person who wants to own a real pet.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's I a feel Michael like, uh, Vick message. That, that's no, that's that is not that is not what the ASPCA I think would
0: would want to. Right, but then again, virtual pets let us do these sort of things. I mean, these are all cartoony. Like, like Pokemon are these cartoony creatures that don't necessarily have a. Uh, 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 a counterpart in real life. Sure. Some of them are obviously modeled after real animals, but others, if it's modeled after a real animal, I have not seen it.
2: Yeah, I don't think I want to see some of the real animals that those things are modeled on.
0: Right. Well, uh, then in 1992, we had the game Dragon Quest V Hand of the Heavenly Bride, and that also allowed players to capture monsters and use them to fight in their battles. So again, that same sort of gameplay element. Uh, It was starting to Trying to become pretty popular, it was an interesting idea, um, but it's still not really a virtual pet in the sense that we think of, where it's just really the the whole purpose is to take care of an artificial creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in 1995, a company called PF Magic hits the scene and releases a program called Dogs. That's D O G Z. They would, a year later, release Cats, C-A-T-Z, and then eventually release Pets, P-E-T-Z. And uh, and this was really where the virtual pet idea started to blossom, mm-hmm. where we started to see some of those elements we talked about at the top of the show, mm-hmm. the things that really make a virtual pet what it is. And
2: it was just, what, what kind of platform was Windows, originally. Windows? Yeah, oh, wow. Was okay. Originally
0: a Windows-based thing. So if you... For those of you who remember Windows back in 95, uh, there there were people who would have, like this little dog would wander onto your screen and start to uh, play with your cursor and things like that. It was very cute. and um, But this was an actual full program where you would be able to adopt a puppy or later on a kitten. And... After a few days of real time, so you know, you check on your little puppy or kitten each day. After a few days, maybe three or four days, the puppy or kitten would grow into a fully formed adult version of whatever animal it was, and you would continue taking care of it. So you would play with it, you could train it, and you could even breed your animal with other animals, uh, starting with, I think it was. Pets 3, because, you know, they released updates mm-hmm. as they sure. as they built out the game.
2: Mm-hmm. Locally on your own computer, I assume? This, or was this over? Uh... Email. Email. You
0: could email a copy of your pet to someone else, and you would still keep yours. This is like you suddenly cloned your pet, right? Uh-huh. But you could email a copy of your pet to someone else, and then they could say, oh, this doggie's very cute. Fifi's gonna love him and see if Fifi and the other dog would uh you know have little puppy love going on. Oh um, no. and then you end up with a litter of virtual puppies. Okay. Yeah. And
2: like like you do. That's like
0: like it happens. Um yeah, so originally these were all uh designed on hand-drawn uh kind of designs. Like like that's the line drawing style. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh so they weren't photorealistic. Or anything like that, but it's pretty did,
2: cartoony. Yeah,
0: cartoony. But it meant that if you wanted to, you could actually really tweak the the, the look of your pet mm-hmm. because it wasn't outside the realm of uh, most people's abilities to go and draw in uh, a, a new shape for their pet's body or a different coloration. But uh, eventually, as the, as time went on, and we'll get back into the timeline in a minute, but by 2006, uh, they the company had abandoned the line drawing approach and went for a more, quote unquote, realistic look, where you could end up changing textures, but you couldn't remodel your pet. It was going to always be the same basic shape. Right, right. um, But you could tweak it a little bit, just not as much as you could in earlier versions of the program. Yeah. But this is where we see the idea of the virtual pet really take off. And it ended up being fairly popular. A few million copies sold. So not not like a, a a crazy success but it showed that there was a market there mm-hmm. that people were interested in getting a uh, a virtual companion kind of a a weird idea at the time some would say a weird idea today <laughs> that it's not necessarily something that has uh, has gained widespread acceptance
2: i don't know but there's yeah there's there's as we will talk about later there are certainly enough different models of this kind of thing out there that there's you know and and they've, they've done medical research about stuff you know people who uh, are perhaps lonely and don't have so much access to as much human interaction as they as they need there are lots of robots meant for uh, keeping people Companion
0: yeah in fact, we'll talk a little bit about them. I have some information about one of those robots, but uh, we'll we'll save that for toward the end of the discussion yeah. because that that really it ends up building on a lot of these concepts we're talking about early on and uh, we're about to tackle the biggest name I think as far as virtual pets go. It's the name I always think of whenever I think of virtual or digital pets. but before we get into that, let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsor working remotely. where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed. And I'd be lost without my smartphone. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more at
1: NissanUSA.com. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bear Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare-exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, Feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with bare premium plus paint, starting at just twenty eight ninety eight a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.
0: Okay, now Lauren, when I say digital pet, is there a particular brand name that leaps to mind? Tamagotchi. There you go. Tamagotchi, uh, launched by Bandai in 1996. 1996
2: in Japan, that is correct. And and from what I understand, Tamagotchi is the correct spelling. I always heard it as Tamagotchi when I was a kid, but I think that that's probably just because we had no idea what we were talking
0: about. It's an Americanized pronunciation.
2: Sure, sure. Um, the, the the word does come from um, from a, a, what whatchamacallit, a portmanteau? Oh, okay. Of uh, the words tamago, which mean egg in yeah. Japanese, yes. and the I, English word,
0: <laughs> I'm familiar with it from sushi.
2: From sushi, yes. Well, in in sushi, it's usually meant to, um, uh, meant as a shortened form of uh, uh, tamagoyaki, which is that sweet egg omelet. But
0: look at the brain on Lauren. Wow, she did not know I was going to say sushi either. All right. Okay, Um, so Tamago, what's the other one?
2: And and the English word watch, which uh, when you kind of translate into the Japanese uh, foreign loan word alphabet, uh, katakana, sounds a lot more like oachi.
0: All right, so it's egg watch. Yes. Which I would immediately assume would be an egg timer. Not a digital pet. Not at all. But no. it is a digital pet. Uh,
2: but, but they but they were egg shaped and yes. and they did uh, the origin of these little creatures would be would look like a little egg. Right. So
0: so so you would go out and you would buy this essentially like a keychain mm-hmm. uh, that had a, an egg shaped plastic case there with a little screen on it. Little
2: LCD. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and uh, that would allow you to hatch your uh, virtual your digital pet. Mm-hmm. So you have a little egg on there that you would have to. Uh, uh, you know, press a button, which essentially started a timer that would let the uh, the Tamagotchi know, hey, there's a player, uh, it's time to start uh, creating a, a pet for this person to interact with. Mm-hmm. And then um, you would end up using, I think it was like three buttons.
2: Yep, it's a little three-button interaction.
0: So you would use those three buttons to do various commands, depending upon what your pet needed and whether or not you were a good person. Because it would be things like you know feed your pet or clean up after your pet because they would leave little digital poos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Uh, they, uh, little they would get very upset if you if you didn't. And, and I and I say all this hypothetically because I never actually owned one. Did you ever actually own? I
0: did not own. I didn't own one. Did you mistreat someone else's Tamagotchi? I'm taking the fifth. Mostly because I can't remember. Excellent. No, I'm not the kind of guy who would ever, I, I can't, I can't mistreat creatures in a video game, right? Like if there's a video game, Site. alright, tangential. I, I apologize for the tangent, but this is an example of how I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. You're, you're playing a, a, a cowboy in the waning era of the cowboy era, right? So the, in, in days, the, the train is taking over, the cars are starting to happen, so the, the day of the cowboy is at an end. Um, there's an achievement you could get for killing all the buffalo in the game. There was a certain number of buffalo, and after you killed a certain number, you would get this achievement. Okay. That was the last achievement I got because I could not bring myself – You felt
2: bad for the buffalo? For the the digital buffalo? Buffalo? That's
0: that's very sweet. We'll get into the discussion about that, about actually uh, developing an emotional attachment to a digital creation, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Like just from a – like crazy from the sense of that's so – Like, I would never have imagined it until it happened.
2: Mm -hmm, Sure. I don't know. I mean, you know, as, as a kid, I, I mean, I had, I had a whole stable full of My Little Ponies. Okay. I was, I was that guy when I was like six. And, um, and they all had very individual personalities. And I was extraordinarily attached to these toys. So, you know, I mean, I mean, just building on that, if, 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 and those things, those things didn't move except my imagination. Right. Sure. I can see how something that does move to a certain extent does. I mean, I, that, that being said, in fable, I'm the guy who kicks all the chickens. And so, uh, well, it, you okay.
0: Know. Yeah, I, I've, but they're annoying. I've, I've kicked a chicken or two. You know? <laughs> also, also, it's very possible, Lauren, that some of our listeners out there could be bronies. And maybe they also have uh, their own collections that could rival your own childhood one.
2: They probably could.
0: Uh, I, by the way, I'm not speaking down to anyone who likes My Little Pony. That was created the 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 latest version My Little Pony Friendship is Magic was created by the same people who created Powerpuff Girls, which I love. Which is awesome. Yeah, so no judgment here. Yeah, yeah. Getting back to Tamagotchi. But anyway, yeah, yeah. So you could you could feed them, you could clean up after them. If you didn't clean up after them, they could actually get sick. Mm-hmm. And then you would have to really take care of them. Uh and also Tamagotchi, unlike a lot of other other digital pets, the, the digital pet in Tamagotchis could die.
2: Yeah, yeah. If you
0: didn't take care of them,
2: or I, I think in the American version it was they sort of turned into little digital angels and kind of flew back to their home planet because yeah. they were aliens. or but.
0: or yeah, they went into a little digital UFO and flew away. But mm-hmm. but the point was that if you didn't take care of them, they they would leave. And um, and in fact, that became something of a problem because <laughs> uh, it took you had to take care of them about twice a day.
2: Sure, and in the early stages, way more often than that, about once every six hours or so, I think.
0: So, yeah, you've got this thing, and it could make noise. It would beep at you when it was really not doing so well or not happy. Uh, Happy being a weird term because we're talking about following a, a certain protocol. Which meant that kids would have to whip these things out and take care of them throughout the day, even if they were in school. Mm -hmm.
2: Which became a problem in in the United States, certainly.
0: Yeah. And so in the US, you had stories of schools that would ban these things outright and say, don't bring them to school because they are a distraction. You're not learning. You are instead paying attention to a little digital pet and you need to have your attention directed toward your schoolwork. And, um, uh, and in fact, a lot of sources that I've read have essentially credited the fact that the United States school systems often outright banned these things, at, uh, for the downfall of the virtual pet industry in the U.S. That, that virtual pets, digital pets didn't really become as big a deal as they could have because the, uh, school systems banned them. So, uh, there you go. I, Tamagotchi, what not only was the, the genesis of the digital pet craze, but in the United States at least, was also the death of it. <laughs> but uh, but moving on, there are other ones to talk about besides Tamagotchi. Also, in 2005, they updated the line because it had pretty much gone forgotten, but there were a lot of people who had nostalgic fondness mm-hmm. for the Tamagotchi line. Well, so, it, it
2: never really went away, actually. There, yeah, there, there have been a, a kind of several fated, several but... generation updates here and there. I mean, they, they were still pretty big in Japan from what I understand. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, but but yeah uh, they uh, they came back with a with an infrared uh, yes. connector port,
0: yeah, the tamagotchi connection this this is what allowed the Tamagotchi version to have interactions with other people's Tamagotchis. right because before it was pretty much just you know y- your pet was confined to
2: its the, own egg
0: yeah, to its own egg. that was the extent of its universe, but then with the infrared uh, uh, feature, it would allow your pet to visit other pets. And it could get out of the egg once in a while.
2: And uh, eventually, around 2011, 2012, um, uh, Tamago, uh, which introduced these little separate figures that you can plug into your Tamagotchi, uh, uh, those those were introduced. And in also uh, Tamatown, which was a website thing, which, as of February 6, 2013, has shut down. Ah.
0: So, so again, the struggle for the digital pet continues. Uh, I just want to mention some of the characters that you could have in Tamagotchi. Keeping in mind, uh, your, your digital pet would go through c- stages in mm-hmm. its life. So there'd be, uh, uh, a young stage, teen stage, and then an adult stage. So these kind of uh, apply to different stages, but, uh, you could have Maruchi, which was a spoiled brat who would like to roll around a lot. Uh, there was, uh, Kinokomochi, which liked to jump around a lot, and the picture I saw of it had a giant uh, bump on its head with a little (laughs) bruise mark, so apparently that's not very safe when he jumps around. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was Ichigachi, who was a dancing maniac. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was Mimichi, which was apparently the most popular of all the Tamagotchis, Uh, supposedly had a genius IQ of 200 and loved math and writing. Uh, There was Tarakachi, who was naughty, impatient, and chatty. And Goza Ruchi, who wants to be a ninja.
2: I like your Japanese pronunciation. <laughs> Don't uh, but, touch my mustache. But yeah, so you know, it, it's, as as of the height of their popularity, um, they are supposed to have sold one per second in Japan. And, That's um, crazy. Over uh, seventy-eight million sold as of 2013. Yep. So, so certainly, think also also a uh, uh, recent news for for Tamagotchi. Um, As of Valentine's Day this year, 2013, uh, to celebrate 16 years of business, the company announced a free Android app called Tamagotchi Life, uh, which stands for Love is Fun Everywhere.
0: (laughs) Of course it's an acronym. (laughs) It can't just be Tamagotchi Life.
2: No, no, that would be ridiculous.
0: Don't be silly.
2: Um, so, yeah, so 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 Tamagotchi lives on.
0: Wow. All right. Well, moving on to some of the other virtual pets.
2: Uh, right, but- yeah, because around the same time, you know, everyone was – I mean, this was such a craze that everyone had to jump on.
0: Yeah. Uh, there were some people who criticized Bandai saying that the Tamagotchi – Really catered more to a female audience, and right. not to boys. Which
2: is where Digimon came right. in. Right,
0: Digital Monsters, uh, released by Bandai Digimon. Uh, similar life cycle to Tamagotchi, but uh, they were also designed so that you would raise them, train them, and battle them with other, uh, other people's Digimon. So uh, there you go, there's the boy, right? The, so apparently, girls want to nurture and raise a, a pet, and boys want to train a killer monster.
2: I don't know if if I could if I could get a really cute little little Tamagotchi and and fight it with other really cute Tamagotchi. That sounds like the best game to me really, personally. Really,
0: really, cute, deadly fights. Yes, I, I'm, I have nothing to say about like that. Gloomy
2: bear, that would be great. Uh,
0: 1998, we see the introduction of a toy that made people go. Bonkers when it came out, the Furby. Yeah. Now, um, Furby is not not a digital pet in the sense of these other ones that are software, uh, hardware software. And right. software yeah. yeah the, the, this is a this is more like a kind of a, a robot, so closer to the Teddy Ruxpin model than the Tamagotchi model, uh, and the original one would speak in this language called Furbish. And would gradually learn "quote unquote" learn English. It would really just incorporate English into its vocabulary over a set amount of time. Uh, but later models introduced in like 2005 and 2011 had uh, uh, more features that would let it converse with people. Uh, there was some voice recognition stuff that was introduced.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and they had they, they had motion sensors. They could tell when you were touching them or uh, when you picked them up and moved them around.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there were. I, I remember when they came out because I remember how people went went really bonkers over them. Oh yeah, it's like the there are certain toys that I can remember people really going crazy for. Uh, the first one I can remember with that happening would be Cabbage Patch Kids. Sure. So yeah, that's the classic from my childhood was Cabbage Patch Kids, and then you had things like uh, Furby. Teddy Ruxpin actually was really popular when it first came out. Uh, Furby, another great example. Um, And, of course, there's always Beanie Babies. Right, right. But uh, getting back to virtual pets, 1999, that's when we get to a web-based virtual pet.
2: Uh, Uh, That's Neopets, right?
0: Yes, Neopets. It is a virtual pet website. So you would go in, you would create an account... You would adopt a virtual pet and you could buy virtual items for your pet using virtual currency. And you could earn currency through participating in various things on the website, whether it was a game like a quest or something a like minigame, that. Yeah. Or you could actually purchase virtual currency using real cold hard cash
2: as many 13 to 17 year olds certainly certainly have on the internet in 1999. Yeah. Um and this this was actually created by two british students uh, originally just for other students and uh, it was picked up by a market research expert who then sold it to MTV Viacom for 160 million dollars.
0: Not a bad turn there. Yeah, no. yeah. And it was they originally thought it up in 1997 but it took about 2 years of research and development to really build out the capabilities of the site which launched in 99 Uh, and it let you customize pets you could choose you had like up to I think there was something like 54 different pet types you could choose from and then once you chose the type you could actually customize the pet further Mm -hmm. Uh, you could compete in the battle dome if that was your desire or you could do little quests and games Mm -hmm. Um and uh, Neopets is still going.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, the last numbers I have out were from 2006, at which point it claimed over 100 million users and 150 million individual pets.
0: Yeah, kind of crazy. Um,
2: and uh, but I, I think that Neopets was also one of the first ones that really incorporated advertising yes. into. Since it was web-based, it could have you know a McDonald's quest, or or you know, or you could you could purchase uh, branded food or or toy items for your digital toy items for your digital pet
0: yeah originally they used banner ads on mm-hmm. their website but then they they were that was one of the first instances of in-game advertising mm-hmm. where the, the the advertisements were worked like you said into the virtual world uh, neopia as I recall yes yes and uh, and yeah you could end up encountering stuff that was specifically branded for a particular company. Uh, you could even purchase stuff like you were saying. Um, yeah, and I, as I recall, Neopets even got some flack for that, about the fact that they were using branded stuff within the world of Neopets. Uh, but the response was, everything that is branded is clearly marked as an ad. It's not being... Uh, it's not being presented as just an element of the game,
2: right? Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that part of the controversy was that for for a while, you know, it would have this this little tag at the bottom of a page, like this page contains advertor- advertorial content, yeah. and and yeah, but every page had that warning. So you know, especially when you're dealing with young kids who don't know the differences between an ad and content, it's
0: that's not a problem just with kids.
2: No. <laughs> you are you're very correct.
0: I yes, I'm not going to say any more sentences on that. Go to att.com slash in-car wi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed. and. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. A spirit of adventure lives inside of us. Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to transform your spirit of adventure into actual rubber-meets-the-road into the wild, true-blue-real-life adventure. You just need a Nissan and a plan. Or better yet, just a Nissan you can hop into a Nissan Rogue and discover what comes next. Don't worry, the Nissan Rogue has your back. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Just climb in and go, no need to connect your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the new 2024 Nissan Rogue. No matter where you roam, you'll stay connected to home. Life is one huge adventure, and every day is a little one. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go.
1: Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bear Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen and it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare-exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window,
0: Let's move on to nineteen. 19- another thing that happened in 1999. Mm-hmm. My favorite virtual pet of all time. I didn't own this virtual pet, but holy cow, what a weird concept! The Sega Dreamcast oh, right. releases a special game called Seaman.
2: Extremely special. This this game, um, and I, I don't have any notes on this, so I'm I'm just speaking from the kindness of my heart. Um, uh, this game was narrated by Leonard Nimoy, um, uh, you know, aka Spock. Yes. And um. Classic, it was
0: classic Spock, not Zachary Quinto Spock.
2: Right, right. Zachary <laughs> Quinto is an entirely separate human person. Um, but it, so, so you would you would have this little fish thing, larva, egg, and yeah. and it would it would spawn and kind of develop this weirdly human face. Yes. And it would talk back to you like yes. it was it was like a little fish teenager. It would it would say really very angry Leonard Nimoy things <laughs> at you. And 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 the Dreamcast, if you don't remember, had a little port that you could plug various. Things into on the controller, yeah. Like for example, in this case, a microphone. So you could talk to to your C man.
0: Right. Yeah. You could. You could. Uh, uh, it would actually ask you when your birthday was, and you would tell it when your birthday was, and it would give you information about other things that happened on that day in history. So you get a little trivia with your C man, and and you would you were supposed to interact with your C man at least once a day, uh, or else it would die. And uh, if you continued to interact with it, it would possibly like you but it always was a little snarky it was pretty snarky um yeah they're, they're, even even if the seaman wasn't outright hostile it would still be a little most of mine were pretty hostile but i but
2: i don't think that i took care of mine nearly as often as i should have because they remind me of terrifying lovecraftian horror
0: i think honestly. yeah we've established what your your uh, your your capacity to care is already in this podcast so it's no surprise that your seaman went bad Uh, but yeah uh, as you would care for the seaman it could meet uh, other seamen Mm-hmm. That's a terrible thing to say. And then they would end up, uh, spawning, and you would have evolving Seaman, where, uh, eventually it would turn into like this frog-like thing. And being... Still
2: with the creepy human face? Yeah, though? still cool. with the creepy that's human great. face. Yeah, that's excellent. fantastic.
0: Um, yeah, uh, Seaman 2 was actually released in Japan in 2007. Can't imagine why it didn't make its way over here. Uh, that was for the PlayStation 2, obviously. The Dreamcast was long Defunct, dead by, by then. 2007. Yeah. Sad about that. We we will have to do a full episode about the Dreamcast yes, at one point. absolutely. But yeah, um, it would you know that's kind of a crazy virtual pet thing. It was weird because it had an attitude. I mean, it wasn't like cute and cuddly. It was weird to look at, and it acted in a very bizarre way. So it was like, how do you nurture something that is that unusual? Unusually, uh, the, the appearance is unusual, and then its behavior is. Inexplicable. <laughs>
2: also, I, none of—I mean, not—you know—I don't have any children, but I suspect that if I do, none of them will sound quite so much like Leonard Nimoy right off the bat.
0: Yeah, probably not. You have to really train them for that. So uh, the next I have—I mean, there are other virtual pets that that came out around that that era, but 2005 was the next fairly big success. That was when Nintendo released Nintendo Dogs.
2: Right. Yeah. Was that originally for the DS?
0: It was for the DS. Yeah, Nintendo gosu Uh, I I was—I know—I butchered that one. I was so confident going in, and then it just fell apart as it was leaving my lips.
2: Ah, close enough. Anyway, so
0: yeah, you use the touchscreen interface and the actual built-in microphone on the DS to interact with your virtual dog. Mm -hmm. So you could. Uh, give it commands uh, verbally, and it would follow them. Well, if if it was a well-behaved dog, it would follow them. Well-trained dog, it would follow. Them.
2: You, you would have to scold it if it did not.
0: Right, and um, uh, you could link the DS with other other DSs. Uh, so, if other people had Nintendo dogs, you could you know have your dog visit other dogs. So, mm-hmm. again, it it really went back into this whole model that we were talking about. And um, there are other examples as well. You had one that was uh, an, an upcoming example. Yeah,
2: there's well, you know, there there's still a lot of a lot of web application virtual pets out there. Webkins are tremendously popular. These are stuffed animals that have little access codes so you go online and you interact with a digital version of your stuffed animal. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's pretty ingenious and evil actually because it sells um not only virtual accessories for this thing, but when you buy physical accessories for your physical toy, you can plug the codes into the internet and get virtual stuff
1: mm-hmm. too. So
2: it's it's terrific marketing, actually. Um stuff like that. Uh foo pets, Subeta in back in two thousand six was a big thing. Um I may or may not come back to that later because we have an awesome note about virtual pet zombies. Uh All right. <laughs> um but the interesting one that I had what hatch? I, hatch. Thank you, Hatch. Yes, uh, this is this is an upcoming iPhone app. Um, you can sign up for the beta. It's 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 supposed to come out spring sometime of 2013. Mm-hmm. We are recording this in February, and as of right now, it doesn't have a date. And uh, as of now, if you go to the Hatch website, you can just pick which little egg you want. And, and it'll send you an email with a with a certificate of adoption. Uh, I know this because I've done this.
0: Oh, okay. See, mm-hmm. I, I don't have an iOS device that I could use with this. Otherwise, I would ho- hope secretly that mine would turn into the Cloverfield Monster because I love that documentary.
2: <laughs> that, that is a terrific documentary. I'm yeah. not sure that I want to hang out with you anymore if you, know you want that, to control the Cloverfield That makes two Abrams Monster.
0: documentaries that I've, I've, I've uh, mentioned in one podcast.
2: Oh, pretty soon, it's going to be hard not to mention Abrams' That's true. documentaries. That's true. He will rule the geek universe. Yeah,
0: and I—I I actually, out of all these virtual pets, the only thing that I ever owned that was similar to this, there are these toys called the Cube World Digital Stick People.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. They're these plastic cubes. They have magnetic contacts on on four sides of the cube. Uh, The forward facing side is a screen that has a little digital stick figure in it that behaves a certain way depending upon that that figure's uh, occupation or main hobby. So, for example, you might have one that has a dog and so all the activities this stick figure does involves a dog in some way. You might have one that's an office worker or a janitor or whatever. And the interesting thing was not only would they behave a particular way within their cube, and you could pick the cube up and shake it, and that would actually make the figure fall over like there was an earthquake, or you could turn it on its side and that make the figure slide because gravity had changed. That's uh, terrific. You could also put two of these cubes together uh with their magnetic contacts, and then the two different stick figures could visit one would another. Would
2: interact. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like more often than not. Like paintings in Harry Potter. Yeah, more often than not they would fight. But, uh sometimes I get along and you could actually stack I think it was up to it was three or four it might be four I think you could stack up to four together uh and have in a, in either horizontally or vertically and have them interact with each other and then you could even make blocks of these cubes like grab a whole bunch and then you'd have like essentially an apartment of these little stick figures all behaving in various ways they were pretty limited in what they would do uh, you could play games with them as well mm-hmm. uh, the games were usually pretty limited uh, but it was a cute idea and uh so yeah i had uh, four of those and they um they're a little well, wacky, not, not terribly sophisticated compared to some of the other virtual pets we have talked about. But, uh, this, this has kind of led to this, um, this, uh, uh, market of creating virtual creatures for people to have real companionship. Things like the Ludobots, which are play robots. That's artificial human companions. Things mm-hmm. like Ibo or Pleo, the little robotic dinosaur. Right, right. Uh, we have an article about how Pleo works on howstuffworks.com. It includes pictures of a PLEO that has been slightly taken apart, I believe. It was kind of traumatic In- for all of us. Oh. Tracy actually wrote that. Our, our site director, Tracy mm-hmm. Wilson, wrote that article, and I remember hearing gleeful cackles and seeing lightning and hearing thunder uh, all from her office as she was working on that article. True story. Uh, then there's also paro which is a therapeutic SEAL robot. I saw this at I want to say it was a CES several years ago. Mm-hmm. And I also saw it at Japan Fest in uh, in Atlanta, Georgia one year. But it's a robotic seal that's meant as a companion for senior citizens because in Japan in particular, they have a rising problem of an aging population. Right. People are having fewer children, which means that the population is growing older. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the percentage of population entering their, their senior years is growing each year and uh, and there's a very real problem of how do you provide companionship uh for those people so that they have a positive uh outlook and the the paro therapeutic seal robot is kind of a way of doing that and it builds within it a lot of these concepts of the virtual pet that so it responds to you it uh it it uh, purrs or or moves in in very nice little ways and it's 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 an absolutely adorable robot i mean you look at this thing and you can't help but think oh yeah that looks cuddly, hmm. but yeah. Uh, before we sign off, I want to talk about this zombie thing. Oh, I want to hear more about the zombie thing.
2: Uh, right, right. So, uh, so on. I, I have no idea how to pronounce this either, Sue Beta or So Beta. Yeah, it's 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 a website thing. Um, they had back in two thousand nine. It was on Valentine's Day. They had a love epidemic. And when players signed on, on, on this particular Valentine's Day, they found out that every, every little critter in this universe had been infected by some kind of love virus. Which, if anyone else here has seen the documentary Stacy, which is a Japanese horror film, um, you will, you will perhaps have, have already ideas about this, but yeah. Uh, and, and this virus would slowly turn these creatures into, into these kind of gory, undead zombie things and and people wound up really digging it they they wound up keeping their characters as zombies you could you could eventually cure it by by applying something called lamoracillin which which i am wow i'm enchanted by i think that is terrific um but but yeah so you know there's there's a little bit of a darkness to a little little dark corner there which I, again i think that i don't know you know you know some of the stuff is so cute while i was doing research i ran across um, a couple of pages for the the current Tamagotchi line and I I was honestly terrified by the sheer cute level and I know that I'm not in the demographic anymore so it, so I get that it's not aimed at me but right. but just the amount of giant eyes with sparkles in them I was like why <laughs> why do they sparkle so
0: It's it's neoteny that's what it is it's neoteny and Look it up, kids.
2: <laughs> it's it's all it's all very strange to me. You know, it's there's when when they were doing some initial research with Furbies, um up at MIT. I think that MIT helped develop the Furbies, or kids at MIT helped develop it. And so, so a lot of the research around it was done by those folks. But you know, kids kids said that they realized that the Furby wasn't alive, but but that it was a little bit alive in a Furby kind of way, not in a human way, not in an animal way, but in a Furby way.
0: So it was like a new definition for life in the sense of, well, it, it's it's more than something that's inert, but it's not something that's organically living.
2: Right, right. And uh, one of the, uh, Frederick Kaplan, who's worked with the IBO team at Sony in Paris, was saying that, uh, you know, these, these creatures paradoxically are not designed to respect Asimov's second law of robotics, which is that a robot must obey human beings' orders. They're designed to be autonomous and to have their own, goals, their own wants, their own needs, right. and to disobey you sometimes. Because right. that Just gives like a you real pet. Like a real pet would.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, with those behaviors, you end up developing this relationship. If it always did everything you said, that would probably become fairly boring fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that that process of teaching your pet and nurturing your pet that ends up being so rewarding from uh, uh, an owner perspective.
2: Sure. There has to be a positive feedback loop of, of you doing something that has an impact on the pet's life and the pet therefore having an impact on yours.
0: Yeah, it's 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 interesting. And, you know, there like we said, there's a lot of scholarship on the matter. Uh, although, to be fair, the scholarship did kind of die down simply because the trend didn't really, you know, sustain itself in the United States anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, I expect we'll probably see more of that. I mean, especially as you talk about the development of things like artificial intelligence, we're going to see more toys that are incorporating some form of uh, AI in them. And they'll probably follow a lot of the same features that digital pets established. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting subject. I mean, um, ultimately, these virtual pets are following fairly simple protocols. It's, it's an algorithms that have them behave a certain way. Uh, there's some quasi-randomization about when they do certain uh, actions, but it's really pretty simple stuff. But it's just
2: programming, yeah. yeah. And, you know, if, if can can we really love something that, that isn't alive, that can't die? You know, if mor- mortality is a condition of life, can we love something that cannot I think that Buffy the
0: Vampire Slayer taught us that we can... And that ultimately that decision is going to hurt us, uh, but it's okay because it'll create a spin-off series.
2: That's much better than the original. Or yeah. at
0: least, of, uh, equivalent quality until it reaches season four. All right, so um uh, that, that I think wraps up our discussion on digital pets. So guys, uh, that was a great suggestion. It was interesting. It was something that I never would have thought to cover on my own. So yeah,
2: definitely.
0: Thank you so much for that suggestion, listeners. Uh, if you have any other suggestions for topics we should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, please get in touch with us. You can send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com. or drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both of those locations is TechStuffHSW, and Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon.
2: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com.
1: As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning. Warning. It's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.
2: Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Allison Bree.